So I'm sitting here with Brad, and we're drinking at too many games at the after party. He just rocked it. Rex Viper, baby. Drum yeah. Rex Viper. <laughs> and this is what we're doing for the intro for our panel at From too many, many games. games. Hell yeah. Hey, buddy. going to be at episode 100 coming up and we've actually uh, went over and documented our entire process from when we were accepted by Nintendo to publish physically as well as all the trials and tribulations of getting our first releases done all the way up to now our current second series. So it's been a wild ride. Uh, We do things a little bit differently and actually at this convention we were coined that we are the working designs of the Nintendo Switch. I thought that was pretty cool because I was like, oh, I love working designs back in the Sega, yeah. Sega Saturn era. That's awesome. So I think that's a really cool uh, mark to try to strive for in the future with our releases and keep that high mark of quality going. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Jeffrey and I first connected, actually, if anyone's been in New Jersey, a video game con back in the day. He was doing the Kagan Valley books and I was, you know, just attending. So we just connected there because at the time, you know, I visited his booth and then through that, we both joined and Barry joined the same Nintendo Switch physical game collective Facebook group. We just started to love the Switch, so we just joined other communities. And then when Jeff decided to do the Switch Collector Volume 1, he reached out to me because at that point, I, people were starting to know me as this obsessive collector that was just going for everything. So he asked if I wanted to be a part of it. I said, absolutely, I love the Switch. Yeah. Let's document it. And then um, yeah. really from there, it just started to morph into talking about doing physical games if Nintendo would approve us one day. And, you know, scaling things back, I've been publishing books for about 10 years now as Hagen's Alley Books. So I was here about four years ago with Square Painters and Rex Viper, and I was, like, sleeping on his floor during the convention on an air mattress 
where uh, Epic Game Music like spooned with me on a tiny air mattress, like after he went and like was like doing some drunken shenanigans, like like so I go really deep with the community, the gaming community, and I've been doing these cool, awesome, you know, books physically for so long now, and then to be able to transition into the dream. As a kid, you could ask my entire family, what did, uh, what did Jeff want to do? I want to make Nintendo games. Like, that's what I always wanted to do. And so now that I can take everything I've learned from publishing on the book side, where I continually raise the bar, and now we're able to do physical Switch games the way we want to, is, like, amazing. And, like, I'm the guy that will ask Nintendo for permission, like, and do something. Like, hey, let me uh, do retro style sleeves with our with our uh, releases and they're like okay and then we're like let me put the nintendo seal of quality on our retro box and they're like no <laughs> i'm like but why and then i would like go back and forth with them but even when we're doing our strategy guides we're getting everything approved and authorized by nintendo and we're trying to do something at the highest quality mark possible but also being able to make it affordable for all gamers in a non-limited capacity if possible. Like, we want everybody to be able to play the games, and we have a bunch of different aspects that we do to help integrate with the developers, so that way the developers know that you're playing, as well as, like, getting cool physical things that we might have on myself <laughs> that I'll allude you all to. Yeah. Yeah, so, while I wasn't there at the start, I met, I met JP, actually, first, and then I, uh, I started listening to the Playcast, like hopefully many of you. And when JP needed to take a little bit of a break, Jeffrey said, hey, I need somebody. I need a replacement. So I can't replace JP. But I tried. Um, and when they said to me, you know, we're doing this thing. We haven't talked about it. We're doing physical games. Do you want in? I said, yeah. What? Why didn't you talk to me sooner? Let's do this. And from there, just bouncing ideas back and forth, discussing what we wanted to do, because anybody really could just release a release. Just, here's a game, here's the cover, white insert. Uh, we didn't like that. As collectors, we don't like that. We come from the era when you got a game at Toys R Us, you, your parents were driving you home, you opened it up, you pulled out that manual, you read that manual on the way home. You were ready to go. When you got home, you were there. So we needed to do a manual. We needed to go above and beyond. And when we were talking challenge patches, uh, Jeff was talking about the times with the Atari. We were like, yeah, that's brilliant. Activision. Uh, Activision, Activision on the Atari, yep. Being able to earn a physical achievement while playing the game. And it requires you to open it. And the card in here on the back has the challenge that you have to achieve that the developer sets. Once you do it, I mail it for free to you. And I'm actually hand mailing them all right now. So like, you're literally having me like put them all in, in different envelopes, stamp them, and ship them out every single month. Yeah, and that's one thing we weren't sure how it was going to go over. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, will people be receptive to this patch idea? And within the first, I'd say, three days of Series One shipping, crazy, my inbox was full of people doing unboxing videos and challenge <laughs> patches. And I expected to do maybe one or two emails. And I was like, my whole day is done. Like, here, this is it. I'm at the computer all day. Uh, and I didn't mind because what I got from that is the love and passion that people were having for our games. 
so many people felt they wouldn't have played Super Blood Hockey or Pigeon Dev if it wasn't for the challenge, and now they love it. And to me, that is the reason I personally do this, yeah. is because I love gaming, I've always loved gaming, and we could share that love, and these developers' visions with everybody else, it's fantastic. And, and, the, and the key is, Barry, it's like coining the term modern retro done right. So we're doing a lot of things that they did back in the day, the retro aesthetics of the game releases, which also creates a nice, intricate little puzzle that we do. And the modern retro piece, though, even the way that we process all of the art pieces that we do. So, for example, we have an artist for Robot Name Fight. We're doing a Super Nintendo oriented super metroid inspired box for our retro edition but we had the artist go one step further and actually created a painting on physical canvas that i then scanned in and did all the copy over it just like the artist did back in the day and i know this because some of the artists that we're working with did art back in the day so i asked them how did you do this so i wanted to mirror what they were doing so that way you have like a tactile feel so that box looks and feels different than any other box that's out there that we're even doing because of the way that we're integrating the processes, the way that we're creating different pieces, and then doing it in a modern way with all the high-definition artwork and a realistic setting. I think, I think one thing as well is if you, look, if you remember the Super Nintendo box, it has that border, right? The picture doesn't go the full width and length of the box, but we did do that, and that's how we change it subtly because that art is beautiful, and you'll see it you know, if you go on our website or even to our booth layer, you'll see images of the Demon's Tier Plus and the, super, and the uh, yep. Robot Name Fight uh, Retro Box, and the artwork goes all the way out. So we're changing it slightly so it's inspired, but it's not it's not mirroring it, because we do want to do it a little bit different. We want to bring it into 2021 now. And yeah. I love that, that we, we take what we love and we're just expanding it a little. We're just twisting it, or, you know, twisting it a little bit to make it modern. And that's what I love about our releases is that, you know, Somebody may like the regular game case. Somebody may want to display just the manual. And we want every piece to stand on its own. And then when it's all together, it's just this beautiful, complete package. Um, for me personally, you know, I do a lot with the social media side. And if you follow me, you know I don't sleep. So I'm always posting about everything. He didn't sleep last night. Yeah. No, he was up all night. I slept for like three hours. I woke up. I saw new oh, games. No, I, up I woke up in the middle of night. I look over and JP's on his laptop <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> But to me, what I love the most is, is the developer side, is that, you know, we're not just asking them to allow us to take their game and put it on the cartridge. We want them to be part of our family. And if you've been following us in Super Blood Hockey, then you know that the developer, Loren Lemke, he's very active, and he never was that much on social media. But when we started announcing his game, when we did the pre-orders, up to now when we're doing the challenge cards, and if you played Super Blood Hockey, you know what the challenge is. You have to kill a player in career mode. And when you kill somebody, it says, like, you know, disfigured, mutilated brainstem. Like, crazy things like that. And there's millions of combinations. So when people started posting that, he started seeing that. And, I mean, he just kind of just came alive again with the second life of, of his game. And he's interacting with everybody. He's, he's showing his appreciation. And that's why we're signing these games, is that we want the developers to be as excited and as passionate as we are. We don't want to just take their game, you know, put it out and move on to the next one. That's why we're still talking about Super Blood Hockey a year later. And, and that was a yeah. Series 1 game. I mean, that game will be with us forever. We're almost sold out of it, but we'll constantly be talking about it. 
Lauren's working on a new game now that we want to work with him on. And that's it's modeled after Rampage. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah, so a little plug <laughs> So good. Terror of Pimasaurus. Check it out on Steam right now. There's a demo. It is going to be coming to the Switch. I'm hoping we get it because it's a fantastic game. Um, yeah. But that's, but that's what it is. Is We sign the developer and they're part of our family. We want to release their future games. We want them to know that we're going to take care of them. And the release that we did with them, you know, way back when, we're going to do it again. And we're going to keep updating it. Um, you know, one example is that you'll notice when you pick up uh, Robot Name Fight and Demon's Tier Plus, we changed the manuals. So they're still NES-inspired, but we've Upgraded. added silver text now. We've added different textures. So we're constantly going to try and reinvent and outdo ourselves with each release because we want them to feel special. We want them to feel valued. Um, and it's exciting to be able to have that opportunity to do it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so the interesting aspect too. So we talk about that. So, how are we different than everyone else, right? Oh. That's the main question. And we're not like anybody. If you think about it, we're the hipster artists <laughs> of this physical realm. Um, we do Nintendo Switch because we want to do Nintendo Switch. We're authorized to do PlayStation. I've done NES releases before with Hagen's Alley, um, but we're focusing on Switch because we want to focus. JP mentioned series, right? That requires some explanation. What's a series? Oh, yeah. And so, like, a series is we do batches of releases. So instead of every week pushing up a release, every basically six months, we're going to do a series which consists of uh, two, maybe three games. Depends on what we have available that is available complete on cart at the time. So Super Blood Hockey and Pigeon Dev were, and Pigeon Dev's right there, was our series one release, our first two games paired together. We did that in the fall of last year. And then in the spring, we did the pre-orders for series two, which was Robot Name Fight and Demon's Tear Plus. And so we're doing it slowly and surely, and that allows us, number one, to make sure not only we're shipping everything out timely, because our first one, learning the entire process, took about six months. This last one, we announced the pre-orders with this awesome artwork the same day that Metroid Dread showed their artwork, and then we physically released and shipped the same day Metroid Dread shipped. Like, I don't know how that worked like that, but that's exactly <laughs> how it worked. But it was like about three months. So in three months, we were able to get out our standard premium editions out to everybody. Um, the retro editions and production pieces, like a steelbook, takes a while to get produced. Um, me writing 170-page hardcover strategy guides takes about six to eight weeks in a good time for shipping. <laughs> now the shipping, you see pictures of ports and stuff, like there's delays. But we communicate all that online, very response to emails and texts all the time. And we're doing a playcast where we literally pull back the curtain and talk about everything in detail. So we try to be as open as possible. We're doing things very slowly so that way if people want to actually collect premium edition right now, it's a couple games. And it's very easy. We're not going to be shooting out games. We're going to have to every week have to do some stuff. And the most we're going to do is probably about three because after that, I don't want to lose the luster of what JP mentioned with the developers, with what we're mentioning with the creative pieces. I'm taking aesthetics from all the manuals, from old school things. So Matt Bittner, who created Robot Name Fight, he's like a genius. There's four billion level combinations in a Metroid game. He wanted a Castlevania II style manual because he loved the Castlevania II manual. So we literally tried to make the text look similar. We tried to make all the, le the, the layouts as well as the borders are from within his game when you unlock an achievement. So like 
tried to take a little modern with the retro and do exactly what the developer dreamed of. And with the strategy guides, he wanted a Nintendo Power style strategy guide. So expect a strategy guide hardcover for Robin Name 5 that looks just like the old Nintendo Power strategy guides, like the Super Mario or the Final Fantasy one. Like, it's crazy. And I, that's why we want to go a little slower with our releases. So we're a little different. We also don't make anything limited on purpose. We're doing things from a production standpoint. So like when they say, oh, this game's almost sold out, it's literally like we did an open pre-order. We had everything that we could afford to order from that pre-order. We ordered as many as we possibly can and we put them up. Once those sell out, they're sold out, but we might, if we have enough demand, do another reprint. We might change a little bit so it's it's the difference between the first and the second printing. But we don't want people to not be able to play our games. We want people to be able to play the games. Absolutely. Yeah, so like what Jeff was saying with the transparency, that's another way we try and be different. Uh, You know, whenever you're dealing with any type of company, the most frustrating thing is to have something delayed or not show up right or not be as advertised. We want to do everything in our power to avoid that. And we want communication with everybody, everybody here and everybody that's ever supported us. And maybe if they haven't supported us, we want to know why, we want to be there for you. And that's something that we pride ourselves on. Uh, I know JP, who doesn't sleep, is always on social media. You know, I will do everything in my power to answer every email in a timely manner. Any emails coming in right now, I'm sorry I'm not there. Um, And, uh, you know, definitely on Discord, we all... How dare you? I know, how dare I? Um, (laughs) We always try and be transparent. And that's one cool thing with the Playcast. If you've never listened to the Playcast, it started as like a book club for video games. Play a game a week, let's talk about it. We, we still do we, that. We would be like, all right, next week we're going to play Metroid Dread. Join us. Yes. Um, now we're working out so much stuff that it's like there's no way I'd be able to beat mm-hmm. Metroid Dread in a week. That ain't but, happening. But the cool thing is we like to give behind the scenes. We like to discuss yeah. the goings on in a week or two. What happened? We had a call with somebody. Here's what's going on. We want to give everybody the scoop. And we do our best to do that doesn't always work not everybody always gets the message and of course there's some things we can't talk about but anything we can we absolutely will and i will say the exact opposite of barry right oh. there during this panel we're going to do a q a you can oh. ask us anything and i will be an open book oh god so, yeah I, I, we might have to put a cork on you no, no get the duct tape free. everyone get the duct tape quickly yeah. outside of spoiling any game releases okay, that, we have yeah. coming up yes. like, that's, but that's i will feel back we could talk about production we could talk yes. about any of the nuances how to get approved by nintendo all the craziness like we are an open book um nintendo told us yes so but should we talk about the process of signing a game i mean what we'll do is we'll open that up for questions fair so. enough one thing I do want to say, the other aspect is that yeah. we do come from the community. I've always like I've always said, you know, when we started out that we're a community company because we are the gamers, we are the ones buying those limited releases, we're the ones looking forward on release date for, you know, retail games and whatnot. So now that we transition it's fun to be able to on that side. But with that said, one thing that we take to heart is feedback. So even though I can't announce it today, one of our games from Series 3 is actually coming from the community because, you know, we like to do the open-ended questions, what digital games don't have a physical that you would love, it was just and, mad when, at you. and the people's responses, that's how we start learning about some games as well that may be flying under our radar. I just did a spoiler and you were mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> come on. I did a spoiler? Yeah. Hints, hints. Yeah. You just, did a, you just did a giant hint. You were you didn't want Jeff to, to reveal any game. We always you just did a giant hint. By the way, I do that a lot. I'm sorry. No, but 
but that's that's what it is is that we want to make sure that we love the games but also that you guys love the games and the only way that we know what you love is by you telling us so that's why we're very active on social media that's why we try and get ourselves out there and be as public as possible because we do care what you're interested in because for all we know we missed it completely and and when we start researching we go like oh wow like how did we not learn about this game and we start to look into it we reach out to the developer they tell us that the game's available and that's how the conversation starts um that to me has been an amazing process of, of getting yeah. to talk to developers and and literally pitching ourselves but at the same time saying this is what we can do for you are you interested and when they sign on it's just it's an amazing just well and the craziest story too is like for example robot named fight how did a robot named fight from a year two not have a physical release and that was my question because as I'm creating Switch Collector Volume 2 within year two, I'm like, that doesn't have a physical release. And we just got approved from Nintendo. Let's ask them. And we waited until Series 2 because they were working on a DLC that we wanted on the cartridge. But, like, they literally were like, oh, yeah, nobody's really reached out to us. And we're like, um, yeah, that game's ridiculous. Let's talk. And now we're, we're, we're turning that page where as we get out there more and more and we have more releases, there are people hitting us up all the time to play their games to see if we want to do a physical with it as well. And we have a couple rules. Number one, we have to love it, and that's the rule. So like, we, we literally just have to love the games. Yes. And like, that's it. If we love the games, like, we're like, if it's a unanimous, it's good. If it's a two, two to one, we got to talk it out. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And we say two to one, but we have multiple other team members on the team as well, and we talk with everyone on the team. Well, case in point, everybody knows what one of the series three titles is. We we teased it, which is Cathedral. Cathedral. This is how much we loved it. Barry, how many hours did you put into it to 100% the game? I put about 35 hours into it because it is an amazing game, and I can't wait for everyone here to play it. Jeff, how many? So over the course of a couple weeks, I was, instead of sleeping... I was playing Cathedral after I would start working on because I was working on QAQC in a 170-page guide with Matt Bidner for Robot Name Fight. And after that, I'm playing Cathedral. And if you don't know, Cathedral is like Shovel Knight meets Metroid. So good. It's ridiculous. And the boss fights are like bullet hell at certain points, and they move super fast, and you need to get good in order <laughs> to do it. Um, ironically, when we're doing the patch for it, we're going to be tying into... Um, some reviews that Cathedral got online saying that like this is a game where the developers are using gatekeeping to keep people from progressing with hard boss battles and saying specifically certain bosses and things and we're going to call it the gatekeeper and it's going to be hilarious and the developer thought it was so funny because he's like oh my god (laughs) and and same for me I'm at 35-40 hours about to 100% but it gets to the point where these games that we're signing, I can't concentrate on anything else, right? I work a full-time job, and I'm, you know, I'm working from home, and I'm sitting at the computer, and I see my Switch over there. I'm like, well, you know, nothing's happening at work right now. Maybe I'll just jump on for about five minutes, and then another hour goes by, and I can't stop playing these games. And, and the fact that we're bringing them physically, and we get to add so much to it because of all these physical pieces, it's like, wow, we really get to accentuate these games that we've fallen in love with. And it's great that other people have either already played Cathedral and have told us the same thing, like, it's such a great game, or you're about to play it and learn about it, and it's oh. just fantastic because... You're in for a treat. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> that, that was actually one of the things. When we did our second Direct, we teased Cathedral, and we did a Q&A afterwards in Discord, and the developer of Cathedral actually... Was in our was, Discord, in the Discord and is in our Discord. He's there. 
And the, the biggest takeaway from the Direct, we, we announced it all by name fight, we showed it off, we, we surprised everyone with Demon's Tier Plus, but everyone was talking about Cathedral. Everyone was just, where did this game come from? How did I never know about this game? <laughs> and I understand that question because I didn't know about this game, and we didn't know about this game until it was shown to us. And there's a lot of games like that. And that's I mean, sad. heck, one that we haven't announced is even more unknown and is just as amazing, if not better. Like, it's so good. And it's like, how do people not know about these games? And, like, it's tough because, like, we have these amazing games. Imagine Mr. Switch, who tweets out a million times a day, <laughs> not spoiling some of these games. Like, oh, yeah. Like, very JP, hard, very hard. JP's probably the best one out of all of us, by the way. <laughs> so it's, like, hilarious. But, but the key is, though, is, like, we have some titles coming up, and we're shooting for three with Series 3, and that's going to test us. If it if it turns out that it takes a little longer to do three, we're going to scale back to two, like 100%. If we can manage three, maybe we will. Because um, the key is, is we don't want to overextend ourselves or make people wait a long time. We want to have everything done. The, th- the thing is, though, I'm already working on the covers for Cathedral and all the items, like already getting them approved. We already are approved for lot check. And we can talk about that if anybody has any questions on what a lot check is. Or getting the ESRB ratings. Or going through other different physical aspect ratios with Nintendo. Like, we're already approved for all that. For all three of our games. We're ready. So the key is, is that once we do our pre-order window, that's literally to help the development cycle. And it is super expensive by Nintendo to do Switch. Because the minimum... Does anybody know what the minimum is for a Nintendo Switch in the U.S.? 5000 So there really are at our level, and ironically, somehow Limited Run Games is at our level. They are like in the stratosphere. We are not ever (laughs) trying to compare ourselves to that. There's only three of us doing it in small batch. There's only three of us in the U.S. like doing it like us. So if you think about it, it's pretty amazing that in one year we're able to be on that same stratosphere, even close, doing the same items. It's cool. And then what we're doing is just trying to do it a little bit more premium, which is why we called the name that. It's because we wanted to make sure we had a high-quality mark for all our releases. But there's only a couple of us. There's a lot in the U.K. because they only have to do 3,000. So it's a little bit easier. Um, I mean, when we do pre-orders and things, if we could pre-order 3,000, which we could, um, we could sign a lot more games, which might be why Nintendo's doing that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, we, would, we would have like 20 million releases. Just yeah. throw them all out. Like we, were, we would have no quality would margins at that point. That would be bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had a call with Nintendo because yeah. we asked questions, like Jeff mentioned, like, can yeah. we put the seal of approval on? Like, we, we talked to Nintendo yeah. this week. And, and, you know, we asked them, like, why is the minimum? And they said, well, you know, that's kind of how it was set in the U.S. And it, it is for that reason. You don't just want anybody being able to print, you know, 10 copies of a game and it's maybe not a good game. And all of a sudden, the market's just getting flooded with this. So yeah. you do have... You know, a cap that they've set, and yes, it's different in the quality control margins. What they told us, but I will say, between series one and series two, I mean, once once our games got out there and people could physically hold them in their hands, and one they could show, we could show that we're real. We're actually delivering on what we say. Look, it's real. I can touch it. (laughs) Never wash your hands. Yes, because if you are a collector, then you know of some companies that have essentially stolen money, not released anything. So to come after that, even though people knew us in various aspects, whether it's my channel, Barry's channel, Jeff's books, you know, we still had to deliver. And we did. And, you know, that's why we didn't want to announce anything else until we shipped out the first two games to get people to see exactly what we're all about, what our product is going to feel like, look like, what you can expect, you know, at the the price points. And now that we've done that, and like you said, the growing pains and learning how to 
get the game physically made and shipped out, you know, yeah. we're still learning that. Oh, yeah. There are things still happening that were that didn't happen before. So it's constantly a learning process. Well, if you think about it, if there's an issue with the ports in the U.S., that affects our shipping. So now I got to pay attention to the global politics for some reason as a video game publisher. I don't want to deal with that crap. Like, but I got to pay attention to it because what it does is, okay, so we ship these hardcover books and they're printed overseas. And now it used to take six to eight weeks. Now it's six to eight months somehow. And it's like, really? Like, it could do that. I, it did not take six to eight months for a pigeon death, thank goodness. But, like, we have to predict those type of things, and we got to pay attention to everything. So then we got to order things, and we got to know when other countries close for holidays and all the other stuff. So it is insane the things you have to learn as you're releasing things physically. Luckily, I've been doing it with books overseas for a while now, and it's multiple different countries. We literally just reach out and see what's the most affordable with the best quality, which is also why we're, like, doing things like silver gilding on the outside of our strategy guide so that strategy guide if JP shows it he can go like that it's shiny like do the side gilding side the gilding I want to show the cover too oh my god there we go so the side is is shiny you can see a reflection (laughs) in it but doing stuff like that I couldn't do that if I printed in certain places versus others so we we continually raise the bar with the quality margin also trying to make sure it's affordable so we can keep our price points on point yeah the craziness. Yeah. yeah, one thing that was interesting with, with the Pigeon Dev Deluxe is because that was the last one that ever, you know, anyone who pre-ordered the Deluxe and maybe had Super Blood Hockey tied to it, they were waiting for that. I don't know if everyone realized, we did try to share on the Playcast multiple times, but when they arrived to port, they were there for well over a month, and we know they're there. They told us it, it got there, and we could not get it scheduled to get off. And when JP says at the port, like, it's at a port in Dallas in the packaging facility at Nintendo, which you have to have an approved Nintendo packaging facility to do Nintendo Switch games. And again, questions are open later. But it was, like, a mile away. Yeah. Our deluxes are sitting a mile away to ship to people, and they were there for months. It was, like, months. It felt like years. Oh, us. yeah, it felt. Like, so every week at a playcast, we're like, uh, it's still sitting there. Uh, they're t- giving us the runaround. They've lost them. Yeah, we oh actually had God. it where we had, we had multiple, you know, back pallets of our, of our it was the, the deluxe case and the guide and, and the Neo Geo case. Yeah. They actually lost, like, two-thirds of it. So we got a portion of it delivered to us. We started shipping out. They lost two-thirds. Then they found it. Then they lost it again. Yeah. And we don't understand how they... I mean, going back and forth, it was very interesting that they couldn't really find where it was at their facility, even though they had put it, you know, where it was supposed to get picked up the next day. It was gone again. So these are things that you just don't account for. But I now pi- I picture, like, the end of Indiana Jones, where it's like they're doing the Ark of the Covenant and moving it into a giant warehouse, and all of a sudden our books are, like, disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> our guides are moving somewhere else. <laughs> and that's something you never can expect, either. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that, that message from you. Um, Barry, could you uh, check how many pre-orders we had to make sure we can ship enough? Uh, that's never a message you want to get. And so literally that third, though, we literally pay. And you have to pay for pa- for the assembly of the games, right? You have to pay somebody to assemble them, which is an approved Nintendo packager. Well, we actually made it so we could ship everybody their games that pre-ordered it early and had to do it twice. Because we're like, no, we got to do it now because they've been waiting forever. Yeah. And, like, it's not their fault. So we actually got it done, got it shipped out. And then when the, ne- the other two-thirds came in, then we got those later. So especially with the way the world is, you really have to prepare. Yeah. And you have to prepare for anything and everything. 
whether it be something overseas or locally, just in the States. And that's become something of almost like precognition we need now. We need to kind of prepare and expect the worst so that we can deliver the best. And that is something that I think we're still learning. And well, like the, the plan with Series 3 yes. is that we do, like, either at the end of this month or November, we're going to do our Direct. So we yes. do a Nintendo-style Direct. We do a Premium Direct before we launch. We're going to re- reveal our games. Yes. Um, and then, and actually, by the way, having three games, that's a exclusive for this con that we're yes. actually talking about. Because we haven't talked about that on the Playcast. But we are absolutely doing that. It's going to be fun. But um, the thing is, we're going to announce it. And then after that, when we start the production, we're actually planning it because we know that certain facilities are going to close down. So we can literally have it shipped about three to four months afterward. We're going to start getting everything in. So we're going to be working through the holidays, getting stuff, making it work, look awesome. And then everything will be ready to rock and roll when they all are back at work. I still can't believe we got room in the night sky. Uh, got what? Broom in the Night Sky. Broom in the Night Sky. That's <laughs> oh, an inside joke, Barry. I yes, know. If you know that game, it's the best game for the Switch, so check so, it out. So literally was... in our uh, chat group, everybody wants us to do the year one title, Broom in the Night Sky, which is apparently a very basic, basic game. Um, I haven't played it, but I heard it's it's a awesome, like doing calculator or clock as a game. Yes. Release. Like, no. So... No. I mean, I wouldn't even do it as an April Fool's joke. Well, we did it as an April Fool's joke. We talked about it that way. We yeah. did reach out to the developer. We tried. They did not respond JB back reached to us. out, of course. We tried. It, you know what? People asked. They said, do it. I said, listen, if the developer agreed to it, we would find a way to bring it. And they just never responded to us. So, I don't know. Maybe one day it'll happen. But <laughs> not right now. Not if I have anything to say. <laughs> we all have to like it, right? So. So, I would say we're about... At the halfway point? Yeah. I, so, does anybody have any questions, AMA, ask anything, and I will come down because we're recording, and we will uh, we will talk. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who we got for? I think I saw your hand first. All right. So, go ahead and say your name if you want to, or code name, and ask a question. Sure. I'm uh, Nathan, otherwise known as creative sushi nice i was wondering if you guys heard and what you thought about the warned game collectors debacle yes <laughs> we actually had an entire episode on the warned game collectors debacle honestly though so think about this warned game collectors created a company took everybody's money and they did nothing with it literally took people's money right so imagine being a startup company I've been doing this for 10 years in books and then having to get over that hurdle of another company coming around and stealing money and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Trust us, we're not going to do that. And it's like, but we haven't proven ourselves. So it's almost like you got to have some kind of clout. Luckily, we have, like, I know a lot of people in the gaming community. JP knows a lot of people in the Switch community. Barry knows a lot of people in the gaming community and the collector circles that we're able to, like, go, hey, we're able to get enough pre-orders so we can make that first series happen. And that was the hardest part. What about you guys for the warned? I think what made that one the worst is when we launched, we launched with Super Blood Hockey only. Yeah. And we decided to put Pigeon Dev up for pre-order before Super Blood Hockey shipped. And that was kind of risky, but we felt we needed to do it. And a lot of people were questioning, well, what about Super Blood Hockey? Or is this another Warren collector? And we hated that. 
we didn't yeah. want to do it. We had to do it, you know, for financial reasons, and we wound up so coming actually, through. From a production standpoint, it, if you bring the games together, you get a bold feel because we're not now doing 5,000 covers, we're doing 10,000 covers. So it actually saved us so we can keep the prices down. Yep. So we actually did keep the prices at $40 released instead of having to raise it to like 50 bucks or something. So but, like it actually made sense and we're like, yeah. hey, JP, Barry, let's put it up on the side. That's so actually... That's the reason why Series 2 and onwards, they're all together. It was like a happy accident. <laughs> I will say, besides Warren Collector, which there was a lot, lot said about that, um, there was another company that, that also came out before us, which was called Physicality Games. The difference with them is, you know, they came from Mastiff, which is a video game uh, publisher, publisher, and they decided to start their line. So they, they announced, I think, about four games for the Switch. They did multiple for PS4. They did all these pre-orders. They said they weren't going to fulfill until they got all their pre-orders sold, like all 5,000 copies. Then they changed their models that, okay, we're only going to take $5 pre-orders now because they weren't getting the sales in. It got to the point where they were in business for about eight months. They never shipped anything. But then they did refund everybody back their money. That was the difference between them and Warren is that they didn't hurt anybody in the end. You know, the confidence, you know, got shattered, but everyone got their money back. And then here we come as like, hey, we're a company. We're going to give you games. Well, of course, you've got one company that, that really screwed people over and another one that, that couldn't fulfill it. And for us, we never said that we were going to have to ship every, or sell everything. That, that's not the goal. You don't need to do that in reality. Um, so it was important for me, just from who I am in the community, I can't be part of a company that's not going to deliver. I mean, that, that ruins my reputation. That hurts everybody that I've become friends with. So when I told Jeff, I said, no matter what, these games are getting printed. And, and thankfully, if you know... we're going to take out personal loans, we're going to take out personal loans. Yeah. These are happening. Yeah. And, you know, the community was responsive to us. There was always the naysayers in the beginning. And that's and all we could say is just just follow us. Like, even if you don't want to pre-order, just follow what we're doing. We're going to be very vocal. We're going to be very open. And just see what we're all about. Yeah. And, and now we're shipping. You know, we officially shipped in March with yeah. Super Blood Hockey. Pigeon Dev came. The Retros came. The Deluxe finally came in September. And then all of a sudden, or maybe a little bit before, and now Series 2 are ready. I mean, uh, Demons Tier Plus, we have it at the convention. We haven't shipped them out because we just got them in. So here is the first place you can actually get them. But if we pre-ordered, those are going to be shipping soon. And I like that we're able to have the small window between pre-orders closing and shipping. Because to me, I don't want people to wait. I don't want to be a company that's just announcing game after game and you're never getting the games that you already put money in. So... It was, it was a lot of hurdles and a lot of external ones that we just had to combat because of, of the perception of the community already. Good question. Oh, yeah. Good that question. Really good question. Do, do we answer your question? Do we answer it? All right. All right. Next question. All right. So who is next? We'll go, we'll go you right now since I'm over here. I got you next. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm Amadeus, and this may be a bit of a cheesy question. Sure. But, uh, what would you say to somebody who wanted to be able to contribute to the gaming industry and wanted to like get into it but didn't know how to start it? Okay, so we're over the mic. So, um, her question was, "What would you say to somebody who wants to contribute to the gaming industry?" Right. So, my first thing I would say is, anybody that wants to contribute, what do you like to do? Because I will say, as a physical publisher, like I'm working with Barry. Barry does customer service, but he's also a collector. He also, you know, can speak, so he does the playcast with us. So we. Ex- ex- accentuate your 
different things that you're good at, right? So we have artists. We go with artists to do artwork. We have graphic designers that are helping now because I only have so much time in the day. So we gotta find another crazy person like me. And we, I think we found one. So they're gonna be working on one of the Series 3 titles. Um, we have lots of people and musicians that do music for games and for with the developers different other facilitators that are working on physical production items so say one of the guys here said he does vinyl records like hey so what level do you do them he starts to explain i'm like that sounds eerily similar to what we do how he does his process i'm like talk with us i would rather go with you than like a big company because now i'm supporting the community i've known him for like five years so i think that's cool so in reality it's like what are you good at do you, do you like to do certain pieces? And that's how you contribute. I mean, I started just writing a book on the NES because there were no collector books at the time that had the box art and screenshots for every Nintendo game. That's what I wanted. I wanted it in my pocket, so when I went to conventions, I stopped getting the same manuals that I was collecting. Um, then everybody wanted the giant books, the bigger books that I have, and now it's a giant. It went, it went out of control and got crazy. Um, and now there's other people that are doing them, and they do great jobs too. Um, so the thing is, is like it's pretty cool making things because you want to just make them happen, and that would be the bit, best thing. Is like you look inside and say, "What do I enjoy doing? Can that contribute to gaming?" Did I answer it? You guys got anything for that? Um, first off, great question. Oh yeah, I think absolutely you should follow your passion. If you want to do anything in the gaming industry, do it from the heart. Find what you love, find what you think you're good at, and give it a try. Even if it's something like making games, go for it. If it's something like just streaming games to be a part of that community, do it. If you have two people that watch you, don't get discouraged. Do it. Just have fun. You know. What do I say, Barry? When I started doing books, if like three people liked what I was doing, I would be doing it. Yeah. Look, if a lot more than three people like what we do, that's awesome. I mean, I will be doing this for life. The, like, the gaming industry is something I think we all share a love for here. So, absolutely, do your passion. If it's something like JP, where you just tweet consistently, 24-8, you know, by all means, do that. If it's something like reaching out to developers and asking, is there a way you could help promote them? Do that. If, there's, if you're an artist, say, maybe I could do custom art pieces for, for games. Do that. Whatever your passion is, do it. And if you don't know what your passion is for this, and you just want to do something, reach out to companies. Reach out to anybody and say, listen, what can I do to assist? I just want to be a part of something. And you never know what they're going to say. And you could discover your passion that way. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I don't know, you know who's, who's following me or how long. But when I started, you know, I learned about the Switch when that first presentation came on and they showed it. And I honestly thought it was going to be like the Wii U. I'm like, great, 200 games. Easy collection, I'm done. And then the Switch, Easy you know, to collect. yeah, the Switch blew up, right? It became super popular, and I just got very invested. Like I, I love packaging, so I love the small cases. That's why I love the PSP. That's why I love the Switch. And then one day, I'm on Facebook at one in the morning, and I see an ad for a new website called uh, the 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 Switch. Oh my god, uh, the Switch Effect. And they're like, they're looking for a reviewer, and I'm like, well, I've never reviewed before, but I really like the Switch, and I'd like to try that. So I reached out to the person. I said, hey, I, I've never done it, but I'd like to try. So she said, okay, write a review. I did it for Sonic Mania at the time, 
and she liked it, so she's like, okay, come on board. And then I realized at that point, I'm like, I don't have time to really play games and write good reviews that are worth reading. So I said, what about if I interview people? I'm like, that could be fun to learn more about the process. And she said, okay, try it. So that's really how I started. I started reaching out to developers. I just found their handle. I found their email address, their website. I said, hey, I'm from this site. I'd love to interview you and just get people to know about you. And that's literally how it started. And I started with the Switch Effect. Then I went to a website called Gaming Boulevard. I did interviews for them for a while. If you're familiar with um, the Switch, oh my gosh, the, the monthly magazine. Switch Player. Yeah, I forget when I'm talking. Switch Player. I started doing written interviews and I did a collector's uh, corner piece for them where every month I'd highlight a collector edition because I love them. And then finally I thought, well, why don't I just do this myself? So I, I went to Wix, I signed up for a website and I just got a few friends that also want to do the same thing. They're like, I would love to do reviews. I said, great, let's just start reaching out, asking for codes and let's start doing reviews. Let's start doing interviews. And by the time I closed that part of my site down, we had over 500 reviews. I mean, we've been doing it for a few years. And that's how people got to know me is because I supported their games and we gave honest reviews, whether we love them or hate them. But we always, you know, wanted to promote them. And then, you know, the opportunity came on to do the book. And I've never done a physical book. So why would I say no? I've never done physical games. And, you know, it kind of just morphed one after another. And it really just started from a random ad and just me having an interest to try something. Tried it. And, and that being said with the segue. So there's a lot of games on the Switch, yeah. physically, and on the eShop. I did Switch Collector Volume 1. Took me a couple years to get it out. Covers all the first year plus the eShop games. I did Volume 2. Took me a couple years to get it out. I did the math. To get through year four, it's going to be 10 volumes. That's 16 more years to get the Switch Collector out. So if anybody's good at writing, I might be able to help you out. I need to write about hundreds of reviews per volume. like. Like, for real. I will still do the layouts, but, like, I need some writers, and they all get credit. Just FYI, that's my uh, my self-promotion for the Switch Collector, which is part of premium now. But, like, absolutely. Otherwise, it's not going to get out in the next 16 years just to get up to year four. Year five is happening, everyone. So, great question. Do we answer it? All right, I think I had you next, and then we'll go to you. All right, I'll bring you over here. What's up? Much. Yep. I'm Zachary Madden. You might know me as Iron Madden on Iron Madden. Yep. Discord, Twitter, wherever. Yeah. Um, first, I want to briefly say Dave from Strictly Limited says hello. If he was here, he would ask nice. you three about what your favorite premium edition releases. Okay. My question, though, since more collectors and physicality was brought up. Yeah. You know about uh, B Side Games, right? B-side. It's another. It's another company okay. that went down. Okay. B Side. So they actually had a few releases. Yeah. But unfortunately, it seems they weren't able to sustain themselves and they went on next. Roger. So, what are some of the uh, issues that seemingly they went through and how's Premium Edition trying to prevent themselves? Oh, from facing good. Issues? Good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, no, I got you. All right. So, he was talking about um, number one, uh, Strictly Limited says hi. <laughs> number two, though, um, he was saying from. B-Side Games, right? So they were also a physical publishing company, and they recently ceased operations. So do we know what kind of issues they went through, and how, as Premium Edition Games, are we going to avoid those type of issues? So I can't say 100% for certain that I know exactly why they decided to stop. Yeah. I think the problem was their market. They are based in Japan. 
Yeah. I don't think they marketed themselves very well. I don't think a lot of people outside the like the core like community really knew about them. The other issue is that not everybody's supported it, but so you're already limiting the people who you know you can't understand it. A lot of people won't get the game if it, especially if it's text heavy. Game number two was like a visual novel style, you know, text based game. Yeah. And their first game was Hat Quest, which already got the US release. So they are not, not sorry, Golf Story, which was the run had done. So, so that being said, first of all, we do not plan to re-release any games that already have a physical if we can avoid it. If like Konami wants us to do Contra in Castlevania, like we're probably not going to tell them no. However, we don't plan to ever re-release a game if we can avoid it, right? Like dreams, I can only dream to release a, like a classic, a classic series. But that's not the intention is to do something like that. So that's the first piece. The other one is, and we've had lots of people comment, we 100% um, are clear with everything when it comes to how we communicate with the community. Like we're always promoting and communicating with everybody and also giving lots and lots of updates on what we're doing. So that's one thing, like we're gonna make sure that everybody knows what's going on and how we're pursuing everything in the realm. The other thing also, if you remember during COVID, they had shipping. That affected their market as well because now they're only able to ship to certain regions, certain countries. And then by the end, you know, they dropped their prices to I think like $10 or something very inexpensive, which to me says they had a lot of overstock still. They didn't sell out of their games. And I think it was just the culmination of, I liked what they did. I mean, if you picked up any of their six releases, you know, they had nice slip covers. They had nice stickers inside. They had a nice release that wasn't overly expensive, but I think just where they were located, the fact that they didn't communicate, they didn't really promote, they, out of their six games, two of them had already gotten released in other regions. You know, two of them technically didn't support English. It was it was Japanese only. I think it was just a lot of, it was a very niche community and yeah. how they released their games. Um, Barry? Yeah, uh, I agree with all that. Again, I don't know exactly, but I'm gonna say market awareness is another reason. Not a lot of people, I, I don't know, if everybody here even knew about B-Side games before this question was asked. And if you're shaking your head no, that is probably one of the reasons. Yep. If I said, does everybody know who Limited Run Games is, you're probably all gonna say yes. Market awareness is so important. And there's even today, uh, meeting so many wonderful people at this show, there were a lot of people who have never heard of us before. There may be some of you who have never heard of us before. And that's our job is to try and make our market awareness as great as possible. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. So if your market awareness isn't you know, great, you have issues with your games with shipping, you have you know, overlaps like two games that we already got, two games that weren't in English, that limits your market. So if you already don't have a big market awareness and then you limit that even further, you're not selling your games. And games are expensive to make. So I don't know what the minimums are in Japan, but I'm going to say they were hurting to the point that they bankrupt themselves. And that's a shame because, as JP said, their packaging was great, and they're no longer selling games. And that's a shame Shiny because great. Cool. Yeah. We, we want everybody to succeed. We don't view anybody as competition. We love games. We love collecting just as everybody else does. So the more people that succeed, the more people that find that success, the better it is and the healthier it is for the gaming industry as a whole. And yeah. it's unfortunate for B-Side. Yeah. yeah. Great question. Yes. Thank you. All right. So, got a question for it. <laughs> All right. So, good. 
Uh, I'm Kevin. Yeah. And, uh, what were some like unexpected expenses that you guys encountered when you were first publishing? Oh my God! He opened up a can of worms. Unexpected expenses while we publish it. Oh my gosh. Okay, I don't. I don't want to yell too much here. Now, uh, so insanity, right? So, um, Nintendo Switch cartridges are printed in Japan, right? So you print in Japan for uh, all your Nintendo Switch cartridges. So that one we knew about. However, things like you have to have a mail forwarder that receives those cartridges from Japan that actually takes them to a packaging facility that costs thousands of dollars. And every piece costs thousands of dollars. Taking the game simply and placing it into the case costs like 60 cents. Putting the game case into our NES sleeves and putting that NES sleeve into a slipcase costs 60 cents. Putting the shrink wrap on it costs 60, like, and that's times 5,000, by the way, each time. Like, it is insane how quickly it rack and stacks up. I actually had to create an Excel spreadsheet with mathematical equations in order to make sure we stay on budget. And what you have to do is we can't just be like, all right, it costs us $40 to do it, charge $40, because then we don't pay the developer anything. So I got to make sure that we leave a, a nice enough profit margins so we can take care of our developers. And we're very clear that we want to make sure the developers are supported. We want to make sure they want to work with us again. We want to make sure that they're paid for the games that they put years of their lives into. Like we, I've been, we've been interviewing them. I interview them for the books. Barry's been interviewing for the playcast. And like they've been putting six years into some of these games. And it's like, for them to not get the support, like I want to make sure they're getting support. Um, what was the biggest one? The Steelbook? Oh. Holy cow. It is so expensive. Like we were like, all right, we'll do a, we got a quote from them. We'll do $60 for the Steelbook. And then the quote doubled once we actually ordered it. We're like, it doubled. We're like, oh no. So like, now we're like, okay, so we ever do a steelbook again after Robot Name Fight? Because by the time we ordered Robot Name Fight, we hadn't paid, we hadn't gotten the quote back for the Pigeon Dev steelbook. So when we do another one in the future, we're gonna have to do some extra bonus items to be able to do an $80 retro instead. Because we're not just gonna raise the price. We're gonna try to do more cool stuff in there. Like right here, this is a dog tag that, um, Gamers for Gamers, which actually are carrying our games at conventions, which is another way to make sure that we're game being able to get our name out there. This is tactile. This is actually printed on there and it's 3D with paint. So we're like, we're gonna do some custom cools up. This is just a dog tag, but we can do this on almost anything. So we're gonna come up with some cool custom things that actually make sense. Um, one thing that I pitched to them was back in the day, Nintendo did poker chips. What if we did it on a poker chip Nintendo style? I think that'd be kind of cool going into the heritage of Nintendo. So like things like that, nothing is off the table. They're all talks. We haven't decided to do any which way or loose yet, but like so many unexpected costs. It's been insane. <laughs> like, and then the other piece was just like delays. And then all of a sudden we got to pay for that same thing worth 60 cents, 60 cents, 60 cents a second time because they lost two thirds of our shipment for the deluxes and then we had to find them again and had to pay that whole thing again and get that beast in motion again. Like those type of things were like completely unexpected. You guys see anything that I missed? How much do they charge for the taste test? The taste test, oh my goodness. They do taste nasty by the way, the cartridges. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only other thing I'll add is everything costs money. And yeah. 
there are things that we weren't expecting to uh, to deal with. For example, tracking. When when the first shipments went out, they weren't updating because it had been so long. Our yeah. Shopify store. Yeah. So anybody who purchased Super Blood Hockey originally or Pigeon Dev originally didn't get tracking information. And when we and we we contacted you know our warehouse. What? Oh, and said, uh, you know, these need to be updated. They said, we'll update the tracking, four dollars each. Yeah. And we wanted to four dollars to put a line in. So like literally thousands of orders, we had to manually do so, a spreadsheet, and then send it to them, and then they still charged us after we spent yeah. like dozens of hours doing this on weekend, which took me away from production for series two. So, like, so oh my god. And, and that's just an issue with the Shopify store. It's, it's ridiculous. And anything that has to be, they have to deal with, they nickel and dime. That's just unexpected. So I will say at this time, I think we are out of time, but we do have, we, we do have our booth. Uh, so it's by the entrance. So if you have any questions or you had a question that we weren't able to answer, please stop by. Our games are there. All three of us are there. We're going to be here all weekend. We're happy yeah. to answer any questions you may have outside of this panel right now. Uh, from all three of us, we do just want to say thank you to everyone yeah. who, who came to listen to us talk. Uh, Our website is premiumeditiongames.com. Yes. It's a hard to remember game. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is Super Blood Hockey and the Robot Name Fight Premium Editions are sold out online. We do have still some at our booth. So if you haven't started your collection yet, you know, please stop by, check it out. We have them open so you can see everything that's included. And thanks again for everyone for listening and supporting us. Thank, thank you. you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and Dan's back here. He did all our editing on our premium directs. He's awesome. Woo! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>